Hey guys, uh, Scott, uh, what what are you wearing? It's a speedo. It's Italian. We're having an underwater adventure. I look like Jason Momoa. What? Well, what? I don't see it. A speedo, that is. I got one for you guys too. I think I'm wearing bills. That's pinching. It's our look at speedos. I, I mean, uh, I call them the Nether Deep, the newest edition to D and D Fifth Edition. This week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. My eyes bleed. <laughs> Please help me. It's it's kind of comfortable once I took the um, the size medium one off. <laughs> that was Bill's. Yes. It's all about adjustment. Yeah, uh, it'll shrink back up. It's like, I, I it's, hope it's, you're it's, talking about the Speedo. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's Lycra. <laughs> Stretchy. Yeah, no. I felt like I was wearing an under... Uh, <laughs> I think I was wearing a rubber band. <laughs> It looked like you too. <laughs> yeah, I am not wearing that. <laughs> it's it's fine. Run it, it through the. It's run been it places. The run, I don't have enough bleach. Yeah, it was like a um, like a g-string almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like dental floss. Well, I just want to apologize for all the giggling that's happening. We've 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 had a little bit of wine to drink. <laughs> yes, we switched off the hard stuff. We went to wine instead. Yeah, now now <laughs> so we're, we're now we're responsible drunks. Now we're middle aged women. <laughs> well, at least you were for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice his voice was a couple octaves higher? <laughs> no circulation. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come back down. Don't worry. Uh, turn your head left and cough. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the call of the nether deep. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're no longer referring to the speedos. Yes. That's, <laughs> they were there were nethers and there was deepness there. So uh, that's good. And the uh, check our merch store for the poster. <laughs> Yeah, we're. Yeah, uh, I, was, I just had a vision of a speedo with awesomeosity across the back of it. That's funny because I did too. <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, it's going to be a quick one. Oh. Before we get into it, perhaps we should discuss our epic giveaway that is still going on, still going on, and we should not much longer. No. Not much longer. Not much longer. Coming to a close. So get in on it quick. And here's a word from Bill. We are continuing to hold our giveaway of epic proportions. Everything you need to get started running games. Four dice trays. Twelve complete sets of dice. Four traditional Crown Royal bags. The D&D Essentials Kit. The D&D Starters Kit. Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, The Young Adventurers Collection, Nerdarchy's Out-of-the-Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, 
OSR greats The Rat Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventures game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the U.S. We realize we may have asked a lot of you initially, so here's the new and improved way to enter the epic giveaway. Simply leave us a message at thedungeonmastersdojo.com. You'll automatically be entered into the giveaway for a chance to win. After we receive 500 messages, we draw one lucky winner. We'll see you next time in the dojo. And that's all I have to say about that. For now. For now. Because he always has more to say. I, yes. Yeah, I, I know. I lied. Sorry. Steve. <laughs> it is our cross to bear. <laughs> so Mercer and the crew are at it again. We get a uh, another look at um, Exandria with Critical Roles, Call of the Netherdeep. And I see, uh, I see Mercer's made it on the front cover. He looks pretty good in profile. Uh, he does, and, and that's got that's got to be intentional, right? I imagine it must be. Uh, most Please contact is. us and let us know if that's your good side. It's got to be his good side. And they must be making some really good money because Uma Thurman's portrait is right underneath his on the front cover there. So <laughs> it was like Uma from uh, Kill Bill. Oh my God, I see it. Yeah, I, I do too. Been, I've had too much wine. I usually have too much of everything, though. So, just cracking this book for the very first time. Shame on you. I know. I have this this annoying thing called a job that doesn't allow me I much have, time to do anything. And what little I, time I do have. I have one of those, too. And I still, well, I read it during work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mr. I work from home. Must Did you get upset if I propped this thing up on the meat-cutting bench? <laughs> uh, just a little bit. <laughs> to say nothing of the bloodstains on the corners of the book. And I have enough of those already that I can't explain. But that would make the book look even more awesome for it, awesomosity. It would look more awesome. That would lend to the awesomosity. We get a, a, a pretty good-sized book here, 224 pages. Uh, a little pricey. I think pre-ordering it, it was like 45 bucks. I got it for 30 where are you shopping? Amazon. Me too. I got mine for nothing. Scott paid. Eventually he's going to ask for the money back. He'll, he'll ask. Yeah, no, I got an email <laughs> saying that the price was lowered to 30 and they adjusted the price for me. Oh, well, uh, I did Mr. not get that Special. email. Yeah, must be nice. <laughs> it's all the stuff I order from them. I'm in, I'm in that. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. your wife will ver- verify that one real fast. Let's, How many times she shut you off? No more things from Amazon this week. You get a map, <laughs> and I really like the maps. I want very much to pull the maps out and frame them, but I'm, I would run out of wall space. Well, they do give you a little poster map yeah. um, that shows you what the map looks like. Which is great if you're not our age. Because even with corrected vision, it's... Yeah, it's, it's a just little, a big brown blob in the yeah, middle. it's a little tricky. It's like an amoeba. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is a sizable map. It is. Yeah, it is a decent-sized map. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of beefy. It's on some, are, they, are they using heavier stock? I, that's... I'm yeah, because the, the last couple of maps don't, didn't feel this. I mean, I'm, I got a single page here. That's, that's kind of heavy, heavy stock. This is a good... I'm actually taking mine Good out. quality you are. <gasps> I'm going to order another book. It's out of the box. The value just plummeted by 30%. Lou's actually opening up the map. 
Yeah, he's just going to order another one for Amazon and get yelled at by his wife again. I'll just use the points I have. <laughs> he's, he's not going to be able to. It's like a roadmap. He's not going to be able to get it back. <laughs> it'll, never, it'll never fold the same way twice. You know how this is going to go, right? There's going to be a rip that happens, and <laughs> Lou's going to have a fit. Like, like when we went away and we were, like, day one, we handed everybody out custom Custom-made custom, figs. Gorgeous yeah. figs. Beautiful. Because we gave them- From po- Hero Forge. <clears throat> yes. For, and thank you very much for Hero Forge. They're beautiful. The color ones, like oh. almost 50 bucks a pop. He had it for about, oh, I know, 30 seconds. Before he dropped it and it broke. I'm going to prop it up. He didn't get to play. I'm going to prop it up on top of my 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 screen here. and uh, Because that's a real safe place to put it. And there he goes. Boom. The epi- and broke his arm right off. Yep. Right off. Good going, Lou. So, so how'd that map come out? It's, how many yeah. how many corners did you tear? None, actually. Well, you must have been using your big boy fingers. He's he's got peanut butter cup stains on it. <laughs> well, we can't have perfection. But it is a pretty good size. It map. is a ni- it is a nice looking map. Yeah, when you're across the room, it still looks the same size as the one in front of me. I still can't see it. <laughs> I'll pass it. It around. does look it does look good. Yeah. That's a that's actually a really detailed city map. Yeah, it's it's there's a yeah, they did a good job of like populating this with tons and tons and tons of buildings. This is nice where you could take a picture of a section of it. Yep. Blow it up and start assigning locations and stuff. Yeah, like kind of zooming in yep. a little bit, uh putting a a tavern or some other sp- a specific location in there that would be well, important to the adventure or to any other adventures you, you have in Ankharel. And the other side is just... Ah. The other the map on the other side, it reminds me... There's a lot of nostalgia to it. It reminds me of some of the old artwork from the AD&D books, you know, where they, they showed... Multiple levels of hell, multiple yeah. levels of this. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Like the filigree and stuff around it kind of reminds me of the old um, Greyhawk. Oh, yeah. Gazetteer that they yeah. had a million years ago where they did all the heraldry and stuff, and they had that kind of filigree around the uh, the artwork. Get, don't get me wrong. The filigree is beautiful, but it takes up literally half the map. It does. It does. So if they blew up the map actual proper and reduced the size of the filigree, I think it would have a little bit more of an impact. But, it, I mean, it's it's pretty. It's it, very it, yeah. It's very very pretty, but I I would say it's worthy of framing and hanging on the wall. But I think the filigree kind of takes away from the central map. It does. It does because it's like Bill said, it's a little much. It lends the appearance of an old map from like the Renaissance. Yeah. Overall, the artwork's pretty good in in the book too. I I like the artwork. It's unusual because normally you criticize the living crap out of the artwork. Yeah, I'm I am a huge not- fan of <laughs> uh Larry Elmore and Jim Easley artwork that really evoked a, a huge fantasy feel. The artwork here, you know, in this book yeah, none of the artwork is bad in any of the fifth edition books by any stretch. No. Uh it's great artwork, but if you go to like the appendix on page two twenty the two people on oh, the on the bottom. Uh, hey, wait, wait till we get there. Okay, you're, you're ahead of us here. They they look like they should be serving lattes at Starbucks. Oh my God! Here we go. One page too many. That they do. Yeah, yeah, I get it. 
I kind of like the 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 rough kind of like pencil sketch yeah, watercolor-ish concept, concept on the top. I do on the top of 220. I do. Yeah. I, I like that style. And it's, it's close to the similar style, but you're right. Uh, they These look like a couple individuals you're going to find somewhere in just out of the city of New York. Yeah, or, serving or coffee. De, or Detroit, or yeah. At, Upstate at New York, poetry, I would say. Poetry yeah. reading on a Friday night, you know, drinking lattes out of a big cup. <laughs> you know, like the people from Friends did. Yes. So you get, um, this is an adventure, right? It's a campaign. It is. And every campaign that 5th Edition has put out has some little tidbits expanding the game, much in the same way that it did back in the old days. But you get a little history of Exandria, which is the world of Critical Role. I guess it's kind of like the, the brainchild of Matt Mercer. I I don't know a lot about Critical Role. I do know that I, I absolutely love the uh, Vox Machina. That show is, show, it, uh, it's it worth is watching. I, 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 I was whole, uh, we, we watched, well, I watched. You guys had already got, well, it had started. And you're like, have you seen them? I'm like, I have not seen Vox Machina. Um, oh, yeah, it's right here. I binge watched what the... F- the first, the first season, the first season, and when one sitting, yeah, <laughs> I was up till like yeah. two in the morning, watched every episode, then came home and watched them all again. It was awesome. Yes, and this is this has to be the, the brainchild because it's uh, James J. Hayek and Matt Mercer and Christopher Perkins are the project leads. Yeah, I you know, and I I don't know if if um, this is all Matt Mercer or not. I don't I don't really care. Um, I'm sure he probably has some assistance from other individuals kind of pulling all of this together. This seems like a pretty daunting task for... No, I'm giving him all the credit. I'm going to refer to him from now on as the D&D savant. You really like that show, huh? I, a couple more books like this, and I just might start worshiping him, him as a semi, you know, like a, a deity. Well, this book so. is, is really, I thought it was good. I read it a couple times. It's... <laughs> It's a different kind of a different kind of campaign. I and we we're seeing more and more of this. I, I think the first campaigns that came out the um, for five E were traditional, yep, D and D campaigns, yep. and then we get um, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which was a non traditional campaign, and then you know the Strix Strixhaven book and the. Um, Candlekeep Mysteries, which kind of deviate from the prescribed yeah, the D&D norm, stuff, the norm, yeah. You know? And this is one of those, and it and it's nice. It's nice to see that they're they're kind of sliding in a few a few new things. We you know we're in a different world for for starters, and I I imagine the critters out there they they must really really be happy with this. And what was the one that came? That came before this. Uh, um, Wild Mount. Wild Mount. Yeah, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. So uh, all the fans of Critical Role, they must be pumped. The more Exandria stuff you can get, the better if you're a fan. Now, as someone who's not really familiar with this particular uh, world and genre, I have a question. Is it Apathian or Apothian? I don't know. I, d- I don't watch Critical Role. Neither do I. I... I- don't think I've ever listened or watched them. Now, the now I am a a fan of like old Greek 
the deities, the history, everything like that. I mean, so you grew I up am. In Athens. I, I well, yeah, well, that's yeah. It's just, I watched them build the Parthenon. The par- um, so the I'm inclined to go the Apothean, but then I'm like, um, or is it Apothean? Apothean. There is no phonetic correction that I have found so far. I think there is a table back here and somewhere. Somewhere, as I bet you. Someone goes, well, you're a freaking idiot. It's obviously this. I'm I'm old and set in my ways, in case you haven't figured that out by now. They give you a nice adventure flow chart. I've seen that, and I, I that's actually pretty cool. The These newer retail adventures that 5th Edition is putting out are very new DM friendly, which, which is nice because if you're a new DM and you pick up one of these 200-and-some-odd-page books... I imagine it could be really daunting. I can see someone going, "What the hell did I get myself into?" My yeah. table talked me into this, and I don't know why. And we didn't we didn't have books this big um, in the beginning. We had, I think, there were like sixty page modules. And now it's time for a break. Come play games with the Dungeon Masters Dojo at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. We're pleased to be attending the New England's hottest new gaming convention from April 22nd to the 24th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Milford, Massachusetts. There are going to be games, vendors, and panels. If you're a GM, a great way to support Rising Phoenix Game Con is to run some games. If you're a gamer, you can support Rising Phoenix Game Con by buying tickets and attending the convention. Rising Phoenix Game Con is organized by friend of the podcast, Scott Legault and a group of amazing gamers. You can check them out over at risingphoenixgamecon.com. You can get your tickets and sign up for games over at tabletopevents.com. Early registration is now open. We hope to see you at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. Links will be in the show notes. Welcome back. Yeah, that, that was about right, yeah. 40, 40 to 60 in that area. Yeah, it, it was in an afternoon you could you could read it and get a pretty good idea. On page 17, there is a pronunciation a pronunciation page. All right, let's look at the <gasps> oh, let's look at the pronunciation page. Let's look at the pronunciation page. Lou is officially turned off. He's uh <laughs> or shut off. I should probably should be too. Um Apothean and not Apothean. Yeah. I mean, I would have Thought better of you, Bill. I mean, it's I'd obvious. St- I st- didn't I say Apothean? I already forgot what I said. Yeah, I forgot what you said too. I thought it said hey, like Apothean. All, I think we're all cut off. And uh, on the on next the, round <laughs> on the page next to the pronunciation guide, you have an adventuring party and what looks like a Komodo dragon hanging. I wonder who's riding that, or maybe that's the druid. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being a druid. Yeah, there's the bell. I'm going with her. Well, it doesn't say it. It's got to be a mount because they only mention three people in the party, and then there's the giant Komodo dragon. So, I want to be the Komodo dragon. I'll start building that character now. With the with the pronunciation guide, I mean, you could, it really makes it easy to sound like you really know your stuff when when you're journeying into Alexandria or Alexandria. Boy. You're cut off. I need it. <laughs> Holy mackerel. You have a a pretty decent looking adventure here at your disposal for your um for your adventuring party. 
But then then they throw this this cool little thing in here. They give you some rivals. This I like. I like the rival system only because I like that they make these retail adventures kind of new DM friendly. Very much so, yes. You know, well, we've so, always had to create our own rivals. Yeah. Or they just they just emerged. Uh, which was which was nice, uh, you know. In the, yeah, sometimes in, in they, the campaign, yeah, the, the NPC who really didn't have it had nothing but a bit part. Yeah, all of a sudden gets swept up into the story and becomes a rival. But now what you have here is you have you have a a, a set group of of rivals, and how you proceed throughout the adventure kind of depends on what your your relationship is with them or what their regard for you is, and that's kind of a pretty neat element that they put in here. Well, the rivals have their own goals. Yep. Yeah. What, which is cool. They, they basically t- taken your your NPCs that you're trying to build to add some drama and some conflict to the to the group because conflict is is an awesome story, and I already mapped it out for you. Yeah, they're pretty much f- fully flushed out already. Yeah, I mean, stat blocks are all there. They even go into the session zero for you, and the, the whole relationships with the rivals. That that is, I like this. I really like it because, like Scott and you guys were just uh, touching on, um, however you act toward the rivals depends on how they react towards you. If you're not trying to hurt them or kill them, they, they'll aid you or help you or assist you. Yep. Um, it, it could be like that Scooby Doo moment. But if you're indifferent, you know they may feel the same. But if you're an asshole to them, they may kill you. Oh, I'm gonna die. Me and my, my Komodo dragon's gonna die. The Komodo dragons are mean. And? <laughs> they, <laughs> they they talk about mis- making mistakes with new dungeon masters or just dungeon masters in general because even the most experienced DM will, will make a mistake. It's really, I, I think, a very positive thing for these new DMs. Um, I, it, it could be a very, a very entertaining and positive experience, certainly for a, a new DM or an old DM, a seasoned DM, a veteran, if you will, who has uh, who has done it for a while, and now they have this brand new book with this brand new world and an adventure within it, and they have all of these, for lack of a better term, training wheels that are are built in to kind of help you along the way when you're running this, because running running an adventure this size can be very very daunting, even for a uh, seasoned DM. There's a lot of pages. There's a lot of reading involved. There's a lot of time that you have to take. I do like the fact that they start you at third level. Yep. So your yeah. your your player characters are established a lot of times. They already have a rough idea of which direction they're going to go. And they're, st- they're just dipping into the cool stuff. Third and fourth, fifth level is when you start getting some of the, the cool things for your characters. So you start off with a little bit of meat on the bones. Yeah, and they even say if you want to start it at, at first level, they refer you back to Explorer's Guide to Wild Amount, where you can start your characters with with a shorter adventure there before you get into the meat of this this yeah, another deep book. Yeah, because Wild Amount I believe is from levels one to three, and this one takes you three to thirteen. And you're right. It, it's nice that you can dip your toes in and get yeah. your characters established with some so, history, with some history and yep. some background. So you you know this one just it tells you right in the character backstories you know it tells you right out assume you know each other and you've been you know together 
Um, you're starting in the same place. So it, it's already assuming that you know one another and you've already adventured if you haven't. Yeah. And if you do the previous adventure ahead of time, then that's that's a given. Yeah, and, I, and it's a good way to sell books too because if you don't have <laughs> Explorer's Guide to Wild the Mountain, it's like, all right, well, we want to start at first level, so let's go pick it up. Yep. I have it. I bought it the minute it came out. I still haven't opened it. I of course you recently did. opened mine. I Let me get this straight. You bought a book and you didn't get me one? That was before we were doing this. Uh, I have I have every book that Fifth Edition has put out. I, I know you do. I think I'm and, missing four of them. And I, <laughs> I have only opened maybe half of them. I have every retail adventure. I had no intention whatsoever of running them because I just don't like to. But it is the, you know, it's it's part of the disease. Uh, I was going to say the sickness. That, it, it is, but I, I planned on, every time I get to do a book, I was like, because I wanted to run Wild Behind, Behind the Witchlight, uh, Candles Keep, now I want to run this. <laughs> I, it's like, I go from one to another. I, it's like, okay, I can't keep up no more. And number the books and roll the appropriate die. I think I'm going to do this one next. Until yeah, the next one. That's what you said the next, next yeah. one, yeah. Well, there's Morning Canons <laughs> is coming out in what, May? So yeah, it's right around the corner. That'll change. The If you don't run retail modules or if you don't have any interest in in the world of Critical Role, Exandria, I I would still suggest picking up this book, picking up really any book that they um, they put out because even if you don't feel like you're going to run the campaign because you have to invest like six months to a year in these really. Um, but if you're not going to run it, there's, there's still value in there for your campaign that you're running within all of these books, whether it's a magic, the gathering themed book or a critical role themed book, you're going to be able to glean something. This one is really good to add with the rivalry system and a couple of other yeah. things in here. It's good for your tool belt. Yes. This yeah. Is, this yeah. is a, uh, a DM's book. Yeah, this it is. is not a player's hand. This is not for players. No, you're you're uh, this, absolutely right. This, this is one hundred percent a game master's book. Yep. Uh, this will very much add so. value to your tool belt. It it certainly will. Um, I would. I'm not going to tell players not to buy it, but it is. You're right. It's absolutely a, a DM's. Most book. players with the sickness are going to buy it anyways. Yes. Yep. And uh, I I wish I could resist. Uh, a new book coming out. Even if we weren't doing a podcast, I would have had this book show up on the day it was released. You anyway, lie. you you do not wish to resist. <laughs> the first day it was available, I ordered it. Yeah, yeah, that's I, that's not resisting at all. I no no I that's I, rolling I, a one I, on your willpower, just like you know you do constantly. in all your other dice, <laughs> only yes, in real yes. life. <laughs> Do you want another drink? Let me roll up. Critical, critical fail. All yes. right. So you're yeah. saying you want another one? I, I, okay. I think I've had too much, but I'm having one. Okay. <laughs> so this is an underwater adventure. It is. And there's, um, there's lots of water involved. There, There is lots of water involved. And running underwater adventures are, are unique. And they have a unique set of problems and challenges and... Things to consider, which keep your eyes open. We'll be doing an episode on running underwater adventures. Something I've always wanted to do for a a campaign in its entirety. 
um, because I think I could probably make some really cool terrain. Terrain, yeah. Okay, I knew where and this was going. That's the other sickness. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they feed one another, don't they? They sure do. I, I think I've run quite a few underwater campaigns. Usually they start, you're on a boat. And then the boat sinks. And the boat that's sinks. not an underwater campaign. That's a, <laughs> you're drowning. sinking. Yeah, that's that's different. Oh, oh, okay. All right. This if past, you're going to try to make that distinction. This past February, I, <laughs> I, I brought my, uh, my ship mini with me just to watch people adopt a look of deep concern. Um, and you got quite a few looks. And several yeah, of them go, was, Bill's not running this part, is he? <laughs> we have a chance. And then he looks at me and goes, don't break my ship. Yeah. I mean, we break. All right, don't sink my ship. You get some new magic items, which are going to come in handy if you're going to be underwater, because most of us can't breathe underwater. It's dangerous, so don't try it at home. Right? You get the, you get a... Uh, what page are those on again? Those are on 212. Wait He's jumping all over the place. I'm all over the place. He just flips until he finds a picture he likes, and then he goes with it. I sure do. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Some of the monsters are actually pretty cool. They are too. pretty good. I, I like the underwater stuff. I like the uh, I like the jewelry that they have here, like the metal of the conch, or is it conch? I don't know. Conch. <laughs> Sorry, folks. The metal of the conch. It's conch. It's conch. Why am I listening to Lou? Because you had he wants many. to see if you come the, up with a Freudian slip. <laughs> the metal of muscle. Well, yeah, it's all right if I say that other word. We have, we have. Uh, no, it's not. That. I, I like it that these are really one use items. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, but it's really easy to uh, have like a golf bag yes, of magic items in Dungeons and Dragons. So or that is to actually homebrew them to your liking. They don't yeah. have to stay as is. But it gives you the... Oh, yeah. It gives you the framework to yeah, build upon. Especially and you know, because you're going to be underwater. You don't want it to be a one use for X amount of time. Yep. Yeah, I can breathe underwater for an hour. Um, <laughs> it's going to take an hour and a half to get to the surface. Oh, crap. And you get, you get some brand new monsters. You get a little bestiary in the back, which is cool. And that's that's where like these things really come in handy is that you could take these... Even if you're not playing in Exandria and use these monsters in your game. And I was going to say that you don't have to take this whole book and use it in Exandria. You could take it and put it into your world and adopt it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty it, of this stuff. And then stuff. you could just change. So you don't have to have or go by the the politics of that world. You can actually use your politics and, and, and all the other things that go along with it. Yeah. And one of, one of the, um, that's a good point. One of the pitfalls I see from, from a book like this and it's it's no fault of the authors is that with a show like critical role that's got such a rabid fan following um because of all the talent that's there i think i watched like five or six episodes years ago when it first when it first came out when um orion acaba was still on it you have these these fans that watch it every week i think it comes out every week and you know, they know the world, they know the, the, the players, they, you know, like any other fans of any other show. Um, but always keep in mind that once you, once you buy a book like this and open it up and begin to run the adventure, then Exandria becomes your world too. And that's any world, like Eberron, you know, Forgotten Realms, yep. 
anything. That becomes your world. So don't get caught up with, well, in this episode of Critical Role, you know, this was mentioned or that was mentioned. This is this is your world the minute you open up this book. As as a dungeon master, you're it. You know, you're the you're the Matthew Mercer of that basement. Well, um, no matter how hard you try to follow the 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 booked and the the canon of the show you're watching, you're gonna put your personal touch on it, whether you think you're going to yeah, or not. Yeah, unconsciously, it's you're going happen. to. But you should. There, yeah. you, I'm not saying that you should. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, there's people are going to try to follow it as close to, you know, yes. and uh, it's canon. You know, that, this way, you know, that we got to do it this way, you got to do it this way. You're not going to. <laughs> you're simply not. Uh, because there's going to be house rules, there's going to be interpretations, there's going to be players that throw you curveballs that you need to make adjustments for that aren't Adopt, you know, addressed in your yeah. canon, then you're going to find out later on that maybe it was done differently. Well, you can't do retroactive. It's already been out there. It's been played. It's been done in your world. Run with it. Don't try to retcon it. Yeah, it, 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 it is what it is. It's your world, and this is just the framework you're building off. Now, how close you go to the framework is up to you, but you do not have – it's not law. Right. It is. It is certainly not. Uh, the only law at the table is is that which is established by the DM and the players. One monster that I will absolutely, absolutely adopt in my game is the Horizon Back Tortoise. That, that, that looked awesome. That is a sweet-ass piece of artwork. And I am going to search high and low for a gigantic tortoise <laughs> that I can that- convert into a horizon back tortoise for the game table. I'll reach out to all the taxidermists I know. I don't want a real one. I mean those things <laughs> smell bad. It seems seems kind of kind of mean. It kind of reminds me of the Mata Mata turtle. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I like that. Um what the the turtle where all like the Kung Fu pandas from World of Warcraft live. Don't know I didn't play it. This one long. would be smaller. This is like a large condo on side of not not yeah. you know nothing much not bigger. An entire than. island where they correct. This is your, your annex. The Gloomstalker's just it's been out there for a while. That's just a different piece of artwork. I like the light devourer. The light devourer does look cool. The death embrace looks really cool. It's you know, jellyfish with an attitude. The Corrupted Giant Shark. Now, that's just an awesome piece of artwork. Yep. I, I it, it's cool. I, I didn't even was, look at the stats. It's just an, that's just an awesome piece of artwork. Yeah, Whoever from, did that, When I first saw it, I thought it was, um, until I realized it was a, like a hammerhead, I thought it was a yeah. goblin shark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. No, yeah, it's a hammerhead. At first look. They give you your rivals throughout different stages of their development as, uh, as adventurers. You know, they're they're stats at different tiers which is nice you get a battle chattel a battle chatter chart <laughs> holy shit that's tricky to say oh, battle chattel <laughs> battle chatter battle chatter chart it's even in your face too you're trying to what the hell yeah i was trying really hard to speak it's just not as the speedo was too tight <laughs> no i do like it they they have them all set in tiers uh you know tiers one through two uh, tier two, tier three, you know, it, it's pretty good. They kind of, they level up when you level they up. Le- yeah, they level along with you. So 
your know, rival is still a rival, and you you know you don't become a superior at any point. But as a as a new DM, this is something you don't have to really think about. You can just flip to your page. Exactly, it's there for you. Well, that's exactly what we said in the very beginning. Is you know this is stuff that we in the past have had to develop, and now you're sitting there. You have to make your basically almost a full character sheet because you need to know everything for your rivals, your big bads, the people that are going to you know reoccurring NPCs. Um, whether they're good, bad, or ugly doesn't matter. You have to build them, and, and then you have to go back and, oh, geez, my party just went up a couple levels. This guy's still sitting at first. Well, i got to make him fourth to make him bad again. So you sit down and rebuild your whole character all over again, and where do I want to go with him? Where am I going with the story? Where do I need him to be to counter the rest of them? It, it, it's already basically done for you. So that's that's really sweet, especially for your, like I said, your brand-new DM. Yeah. And your veteran DMs are just going to grab and go, you know something? That's really cool, but I think I'm going to tweak it this way a little bit. And But the majority of it is it's already already waiting for you. For you. Yeah. Nice. yeah, and that's fine to do that too. Um, if you're if you're a veteran DM, even if it, you're not a veteran, you're 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 a new DM, and you see something, it's like you know that would be really cool if we did this instead. Go with it. And now we're all randomly just flipping from page to page. The 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 artwork does not disappoint. No, I like I like the artwork on page one sixty one. Now we all got to flip. I, I do say that different pages, and I know it's a different world. I that, do oh miss. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I do miss the uh, the occasional misogyny of the old D and D artwork. I do too. <laughs> you know the the Conan style uh, yeah, artwork. Yeah, you, you know the the chainmail bikinis. I mean, I just grew up with. I, and I know they're ridiculous, right? Who's going to wear a chainmail bikini in battle? Well, apparently some, you will. Let's say you already wear a speedo. <laughs> I wasn't going into battle. How do you know? I was here. Uncomfortable pause. <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing a podcast. I don't know what you were planning on doing. Battle. Yeah, that, it's the, we're too old to go into battle. I know. We saw you with the dog. Yeah. So, uh, the artwork on 120 is yeah. awesome. The Aboleth, it's mutated by yes. Ruidium. The, and, and yeah, and then you get the, uh, you have this new thing called Ruidium, or, or well, new to me. And and us, I don't know if that's to, to us, uh, yes, to us. A, a staple yes. of, you know, critical role kind of lore, but it's no, uh, well, it's it's um, exclusive to the the world, yeah, to to the Nether Deep. I already ran across a section about Ruidium. There's a lot. There's Ruidium blades. There's there's a lot of stuff that's based off of Ruidium as as an element. It's a it's a new element. And a lot of stuff is based off of it. And with that comes a lot of curses behind it. Yeah. Or it, I won't say curses, but um, side effects. There you go. Better better choice of words. So tell me then, is, is it worth buying? Is Call of the Netherdeep worth buying if you're a new DM? I think so because, number one, it, it, um, it pretty much lays all the foundations for everything out there for you, your NPCs. It gives them uh, a lot of backstory. Um, it gives you a little bit of their temperament. Um, so it's a lot of things you don't have to think about. Um, it's already there. The, the, you know, the rivalry system I think is is really good. For me, I I I want to run this now uh, because it's I like it. I'm not a Critical Role fan. I never watched them, but this is um, one of the first systems that I think that I've seen that actually used um, the rivalry system and made it so that the NPCs are just as much a part of the story 
there as the PCs. And and that's where I think it, it hooked me. Uh, you and I were discussing this because, like, I haven't cracked the book until tonight. Right. And you you and I were going over this before we started doing recording. It's like not only do they level with the players, but it's how you interact with them. Exactly. And I don't want to like ruin anything that we were discussing when you get towards the end of the adventure. And I'm not going to go yeah, into yep. details there, but they become a very, they, they are consistently a, um, an integral part of the story throughout the entire thing, right to the very end. Yep. Um, and leave that as it is, because like I said, depending on which way your party goes or your individual players go and how they interact with the rivals, uh, depends on how the story is going to end. It does, yeah, so very much so. Yeah, and so. I and that that I think in itself is probably the biggest driving force for this book. It is one hundred percent. Is is the rivalry system? I mean, the the, the, yeah. the the magic items are cool. The monsters are cool. Um, yeah, there's always something new that's been built for whatever particular you know system you're in or or uh, campaign setting. But I think that for me is probably the the biggest thing for even even for your veteran dms because it takes a crap load of work off you uh it does it does yeah so is it worth it for a veteran dm yes and i think it is because it does take a huge workload off you and now you have a massive framework that you can instead of build from scratch just tweak for your particular campaign, your world, your you know, if you're going to follow the book, great. If you're going to you know, if you're going to piecemeal it and use it for your own campaign, because you can just plug in your own characters and just follow the same framework. But most of the work is done for you. All you have to do is just kind of tweak it a little bit, you know, change the names to protect the innocent. The you know, so or is it no? It's change the name to protect the guilty. The innocent have nothing to fear. That's a quote from the Mac Bolin book series. What about you, Scott? What do you think? I think it's uh, I, I think overall it's good, and I I like, I like the direction for the most part that these most recent retail campaigns are going in, in that they they add different layers and different experiences to the game that some individuals may not have realized were viable. Like you don't have to fight everything in exactly. every situation. With this with this, with the rivals and and their being an integral part of the story, um, so much so that they can affect the outcome. I think it it adds another layer to the storytelling and makes it more compelling. Agreed. And it's good particularly for new DMs to see that while, yeah, it's great, you know, maybe it's a straightforward adventure. You you go and you kill the bad guys. But not every adventure has to be that way. No. There could be deeper stories within that adventure. The bad guy may not necessarily be the bad guy. Right. The yeah. big bad may not necessarily be a big bad. It's, they're just big. And you're aspiring to be as big. So, I give it a thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up. I will give it a thumbs up as well. Yes, pantomime. They can all hear that. That's right. Can you see? <laughs> I'm holding it up to the microphone. <laughs> no more wine for you. No, it's the Speedos cutting off all that circulation. Deep breaths. It's chilly in the basement. Deep, deep if, breaths. And that's our look at Critical Roles, Call of the Nether Deep, the newest edition, the D&D &D 5E. 
I'm taking this speedo off. <laughs> Thank God. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.